Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, we've been doing these series of talks on having a positive vision as we go into this intense, intense time. And tonight we're going to um, continue it with, um, with Dwayne sharing. But to start, we, um, I wanted to invite Eve Decker, who uh, has been away for a little while. Uh, and she, Eve leads us usually in a song if she's around. So Eve, why don't you Hi. take it away? Hi. So I'm, I'm excited to um, hear about this book. And so trying to find a, a song that somehow relates to our topic tonight, I picked What a Wonderful World. So um, you, all of y'all are welcome to sing along from behind the muted microphone. Unfortunately, we can't sing together because of the delay in Zoom. We, we would all be singing in different times depending on our devices. But do sing along, because it is a beautiful world. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world I see skies of blue and clouds of white bright blessed day dark sacred night and I think to myself what a Colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? Eve. Sorry, I had my mic on there for a few moments. Uh, I hope I didn't take it away. 
yeah, well, that's what we have to keep on remembering, isn't it? Just how amazing and wonderful this world is. So I, I want to um, introduce to you uh, Dwayne Elgin, who you might be familiar with his classic uh, Voluntary Simplicity uh, that woke a whole lot of people up to really the Buddha's way of, uh, of being content with little. Uh, and it was a very, it was a, it's a classic, a landmark book that, that really um, woke many people up to another way of, of living. And he's been, since the 70s, uh, a leading voice in, um, in both science and consciousness, uh, how we can apply the science to consciousness. And um, so he's come out with this book that uh, he was um, good enough to share with me um, a month or so ago, Choosing Earth. Humanity's Great Transition to a Mature Planetary Civilization. And as you know, I, I, if you've been around, you know, I've spoken a lot about climate and how important it is to me and to all of us, really. And uh, it, it sometimes can be so overwhelming and depressing that you just think, oh, well, you know, some people think, what's the point? Uh, maybe it's too late. And... Um, and that is a possibility. Um, but as if you're like me, a, a sports fan, that it's not over until it's over. And we do everything we can to, um, uh, to bring as much consciousness. And that is contagious just as much as fear and, and despair. And Dwayne talks about these next 50 years as... Um, as we're at a choice point now and how we're going to proceed. And he gives a vision of possibilities along with the other part, the other uh, less favorable pictures. So Dwayne, um, uh, please um, take it away. Oh, and I'll just say that this week will also, uh, will be followed next week. Dwayne will be back and he'll be here with uh, one of his colleagues that uh, can uh, continue the conversation. We can all do it together. So please, Dwayne, um, it's all yours. And unmute yourself to start. And then we can... First of all, um, <clears throat> thank you so much, James, for, for having me and uh, my Dharma partner and wife who wants to remain <laughs> off to the side but i insist that she come over here she is dragged a, me into it james <laughs> i did i dragged her into it I, and she is a deep deep dharma practitioner um a decade meditating two and three hours a day uh puts me to shame i started meditating with jack in 1976 so that's 44 years ago I began. Uh, so thank you all for welcoming both me and uh, Colleen into this uh, beautiful Dharma community. It's great to be here. Mm. And uh, next week, uh, certainly I'll be back, but also Colleen and two other people that we've been working with over the last few years, 
uh, that are more involved in the psychological and spiritual dimensions of this transition that we're speaking about tonight. So it'll be a, an opportunity to dive deeper into the meditative, reflective dimensions of uh, our time of great transition. So uh, I'd like to begin um, in, with a very simple exercise. And can we pull up the slides? Sure. Yeah, that one. Uh, let's see, so we need to share screen. Oh, 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 here. Yeah, just that one. It may not work. Are you seeing it, James? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. okay. Now, before this started, I asked James if he could do polls, and he said, well, yeah, I'm not no, I, sure. figured, I figured it out, I think. You figured it out. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Now, um, a way to just jump over my years of inquiry and all the rest is this simple poem. And um, it, it's simple, but it's really powerful. And many times when I've gone off to uh, give talks to audiences around the world, I've asked the question in this poll, and that is, what is the life stage of the human family? What is the life stage of the human family? And I give an audience, before I've said anything, I'll ask the question, I'll say, I'll give you four choices. We're in the toddler stage, adolescent stage, adult or elder stage. Four choices, toddler, adolescent, adult or elder. And I've asked this question of spiritual leaders in uh, Japan, business leaders in Brazil, uh, school teachers in India, all kinds of groups in Europe and so on. And there is a consistent response uh, that has come back, but I let's find out what the wisdom of this community has to say. So uh, you've got choices one through four. And uh, James, can you well set up okay. as a survey? Let, let's hope so. <laughs> uh, so here's polling, launch poll. Oh, but I, well, let's see. <laughs> Hmm. I might have to. No, I think uh, can't experiment now. So we can okay. just get get people to, to share. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so let's keep looking at this for just a minute. So when I've asked this um, without hesitation, audiences around the world have a singular response. And they say overwhelmingly, typically two thirds, often three quarters of the people responding will say we're in our adolescent stage as a human family. Um, now the important thing about that is that uh, the transition from adolescence to adulthood is what we're speaking about, I think, for the entire human family. And that transition, if we would look into our own life experience, is a, is a very challenging one. Few of us get from adolescence to adulthood without a number of, of bruises and, and confrontations with the ego and all the rest. This is a, a hard transition often. And we should not expect, I feel, otherwise for the, for the whole human family. And the subtitle of the book, Humanity's Great Transition to a Mature Species, 
civilization, a mature planetary world. And that's our adult stage. But here we are in our adolescence. And the challenge then is to make that difficult transition, not simply as individuals, but collectively. Our collective transition to our early adulthood. That's the challenge before us, summarized in a nutshell as best I can. So let's dive into the, into the um, particulars of that uh, transition as described in this book, uh, Choosing Earth. Okay, next. So choosing Earth, importantly, is choosing the well-being of all life. It isn't just human life. So much of what we're looking at today, looking at climate change and, and all the rest, is to say, well, what about us as, as a species? Uh, isn't this, uh, don't we need to improve the well-being of human life, first of all? And choosing Earth begins with the premise that, uh, no, it's a whole living system. The Earth is, the universe beyond, but it's a living system in which everyone is a part. And we are Im invited to choose the well-being of all life. And that's foundational to the book and to the work that Colleen and I have done now for about three years. And let me just say a little bit about Colleen and myself and how we're approaching this. As you, as you saw, I've written a book. Colleen, on the other hand, is finishing an hour-long documentary um, looking not only at the adversity trends, the challenges that we're facing, but also leaning into the opportunities as well. So uh, there are two aspects to the work that we're doing, one visual, one more text-oriented, um, but the agenda is very much the same. Okay. So the goals of Choosing Earth are very simple. We're not asking people to go out and uh, buy solar panels or get a different car or do anything in a material sense differently. Instead, we're asking people to grow their understanding of what is happening now in the world and then grow their capacity and network of communication about what is happening. And underlying those goals is, a, is an implicit trust. It's saying, we trust you. If you understand what's going on and you're communicating with your peers and colleagues and family and so on about what's going on, you will come up with, with ways of being in the world that fit your life and your life circumstances. So we're not here trying to tell you how to live your lives. Rather, we're trying to invite a larger understanding and a deeper uh, communication uh, that can grow from that. Now, um, I want to dive in. If, if you have, I've asked, <laughs> yeah, All right. this is very spontaneous. Yeah, it's putting me on the spot here. Um, so <laughs> one of the first things we need to do, and in many situations we find ourselves in, is to reflect on how we're looking. So how we look at this challenge is really important. And that really <laughs> leads, oops. So uh, I, I cut off several sections here that Colleen yeah. thought were going to be there, oh, they're okay. not. Oh, okay. So how to look. Yeah. There are three ways in which we're looking at the, at the current world and the world into the future. We're saying, let's look wide, deep, and long. We look wide. Across trends from climate change to um, racial and economic inequalities. 
species extinction, resource depletion. The big ones on the planet that you're all aware of. So we look very broad. We're not just looking at climate change. We're looking at a wide range, eight to 10 different variables that all weave together into a whole system that we are experiencing now on the earth. Secondly, we look deep. So looking at the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual. Um, Changing paradigms. Uh, how are we regarding the world and ourselves? So it isn't just the material aspects of life. It is all, it is foundationally, it's the non-material aspects uh, that we work to integrate into the uh, depth dimension. And thirdly, we look long. Um, my work, since the since 1970 essentially a half century is futures research looking deep into the future and uh, the book choosing earth looks a half century ahead um, this is a scholarly inquiry um, if you get the book if you look towards the uh, appendix you'll see that there's um, an appendix with uh, nearly 40 pages of footnotes so this is a deep scholarly inquiry and looking deep into the future. Um, and with that, it changes uh, what we see. Uh, right now, most of the inquiries are, are narrow, they're shallow, and they're short. And if we're looking narrow, shallow, and short, we're not going to see really the larger dynamics of what is happening in the world. But if we expand our perspective, look broadly, deep, and long, it begins to reveal uh, dimensions of change that we did not see before. Now, Colleen has been doing a tremendous amount of work on what we call adversity trends. We just went through some of these. And um, she, I've been witness to her learning and she's just immersed herself in the research and the literature and the people and the leadership uh, looking at these different areas of challenge. And I wanted her here in no small part to speak to her own inquiry, her own learning, and what's come uh, to her from this uh, as, as an independent uh, part of this inquiry. Are the visuals in there? Anyone or did you take them out? Yeah, are the visuals in there? Any of the visuals or no? The tipping point and all that, is that gone? Uh, yeah. Let's okay, go. okay. Um, so we, uh, let me just say a few things. Um, and backing up to what Dwayne said, one of the reasons to understand what's happening is not only to increase our awareness, to increase our communication, but it's actually to connect with where we are. So we're moving into a time, and I really see this with so many people, where so much of the focus is more on our own personal lives, you know, and, our, and that's natural. Um, our families are, you know, just real localized where we work. And it's a time when we're going to become more and more aware of ourselves as a collective. I think you all are seeing that now on the internet. We're seeing that even with, um, you know, focus now on collective consciousness, for example, collective he healing, collective trauma, all these things are coming up. And so this understanding the adversity trends is also part of that. It's to understand where actually are we and what's here that we are a part of and we need to be paying attention to. So, what I can say, um, the film has a lot of visuals on it, but I think the thing from a personal perspective on this is that 
in the last two years looking at these trends and particularly around global warming, I would say species extinction, I've been surprised at how quickly the trends are changing. So it's, it's actually pretty astonishing. And I say that not to, you know, it, it is startling, yes, but it also means it's time for us. It's a wake up call for us all to step forward and lean in more to, as Dwayne said, you know, deepen our understanding and start conversations with other people. That's probably one of the biggest things you can do right now is start asking other people, are you concerned? Do you understand what's happening? Um, so the trends are coming faster and we are in a place now where we have nine active tipping points on the planet and some of those are engaged so it's actually it is a serious choice point you know we're, we have an opportunity right now there's a window where we can still make a really big difference um, it will profoundly affect future generations and even our own lives so now is the moment great um yeah, it's been very important to me to, to watch Colleen go through these last few years in the learning that she has done and come to her own conclusions about what is happening. So let's look ahead. Um, when we put these adversity challenging trends together, we see the magnitude of change that we confront. Let me uh, read this summary description from New Scientist magazine uh, where they write, quote, the change ahead, quote, it will be, it will arguably be the largest project that humanity has ever undertaken. Comparable to the two world wars, the Apollo program to put a human on the moon, the cold war with a nuclear arms race, the abolition of slavery, which included a civil war, the building of the railways and the rollout of sanitation and electrification all in one. And uh, that's right now, that's immediate, that's within the next few decades to accomplish uh, an unprecedented magnitude of, of change. And um, so that's what we're looking at, that's the challenge. We don't even have a language for the magnitude of challenge in front of us. Uh, we're struggling now in writing the book and doing the video and such to find a language to represent the magnitude of uh, challenge and change coming at us. And many people say, well, look, can't we kind of gradually work our way into the situation? Uh, don't we have a bit of breathing room here before we hit that evolutionary wall and such? And my answer is no, we're out of time. And when I began writing about uh, the 2020s in 1978, we had almost half a century uh, in which uh, to make changes, but we've used that time up. It's gone. The window of opportunity in terms of a gradual transition is gone. And we're on the line right now to make a change. And so here we have an image of the Titanic moving towards an iceberg. And it's approaching closely to that iceberg, but a, a ship that large takes miles and miles to uh, change its course. And the earth would take years and years to change its course. We're out of time, we're about to hit the iceberg, we're about to um, experience the strong adversity of these different trends. So now's the time, as Colleen was saying, to step up. 
uh, to our uh, early adulthood and the capacities that we have. So um, to put this in perspective, uh, we see three major pathways ahead into the future. Uh, one, crash and collapse. Two, an authoritarian uh, world with artificial intelligence empowering that authoritarianism. And three, a time of great transition as we move into our early adulthood uh, as, a, as a human family. So, um, I don't want to uh, belabor any of these. You can look at them in the book, but um, what we see is a world where all three of these pathways are going to be continuing into the future. We're not going to close out any of them. Uh, the challenge is which one is going to be controlling the dominant pathway ahead. Uh, will authoritarianism be the one that we turn to as a human family? Will it be our own maturity? Uh, will it be the surrender of maturity and uh, leadership to crash, collapse, and perhaps extinction? So all three of those are going to be involved as, as we move ahead. Now, these three pathways all begin with the same driving trends. And, and Colleen was speaking about them. You saw the list of driving trends. Uh, and the, the thing that makes a difference is us. It's our consciousness and our choices that makes all the difference in terms of where we go from here. Uh, there's no new magical technologies that are going to save us in my estimation. Uh, what will transform it is our capacity to consciously choose collectively together a new pathway into the future. Now, would you like to? Do you want to go into each one? I think the true transition would be better to focus on. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. So um, crash and collapse is pretty obvious. That's where we don't take care of business. And I don't think we need to go into a lot. The book covers that. What we, yeah. What we want to, you want to go back? Okay. Just let it oh, run yeah. for a sec. No, it's not doing it. It's not, okay. No, because it did it already. Huh. Okay. So the, what you see here are trends. The uh, yellow arrows down at the bottom. Yeah, go ahead. No, I can do it. There we go. Yellow arrow down there at the bottom is the uplift. Uh, the uplifting trends, and that's folks like ourselves that are trying to bring some uplift and some greater consciousness to the world. The blue arrows coming down represent the dominant uh, society, the dominant world of materialistic culture of the planet, and that is taking us down. And what we see then, we start with a time of great unraveling. That's happening right now, I would suggest. And if it unravels far enough, we fall. And, and that will not be far. If we, if we look at, we're estimating by the 2030s at the latest, we're gonna be in a time of great fall. And the fall when it hits ground is going to be a time of great sorrow. And if we have not mobilized ourselves prior to this hitting the evolutionary wall and great sorrow, we then move into the great collapse. So that's one plausible pathway. And another one is the authoritarian. Uh, pathway. And here we see, uh, once again, there's the yellow line coming up from the bottom showing that the uplift is just not strong enough 
to, to do a whole lot. And instead, the unraveling proceeds, the great fall proceeds. But before we hit the evolutionary wall, authoritarian powers pull back from hitting the wall and into a time of great constraint and conformity in an authoritarian world. And that's described at some length in the book, uh, so you can get more of a feel for that. The third pathway is that of great transition. And here we see uh, the yellow arrows at the bottom providing a little, great deal of lift to, um, there we go, to what is uh, happening. And it converges there. There will, uh, once again, there's an unraveling, a great fall, a time of great sorrow. I'm gonna speak about that. But what looks like a time of chaos and confusion by the 2040s, the time of great sorrow in this rendering is a time of growing coherence and an underlying evolutionary intention to awaken and grow. So all three of the uh, scenarios begin the same, a time of unraveling, a great fall, and into the great sorrow. Only the third pathway then has a great awakening of humanity to itself. In our awakening to ourselves, we can then begin look out and choose our pathway uh, as, as an earth species civilization in, in a way that takes us into a new uh, transitional future. But at the end, it's still an open future. It isn't that the other two futures are gone, no. They're still there, but the center of gravity for the evolutionary dynamic is now moving in upwards and into new areas of possibility and consciousness into our early adulthood, if you will. And we can also, just to mention, because yeah. you didn't mention it, that the yellow arrows really indicate all the movement that's waking up to life. You know, so it's waking up that we're living on a living planet, that we need to live here together. And it's, it's all the people, all the movements, leaning into that. That's everything here on the left that's helping to push our trajectory um, in a great transition direction. There we go. <clears throat> so this is a still version of the uh, transition pathway. And um, we're trying to avoid the unraveling. We're trying to avoid the, the great fall and the time of sorrow, but these are evolutionary transformers. And they will, the unraveling, we, we loosen our, our attachments and our connections to uh, the world as it has been, our sense of self as it has been, and we are forced by virtue of circumstance to open to the world in new ways. And that is certainly true as we go down uh, the path of a great fall and into a realm of sorrow. And the sorrow is already apparent in uh, many of the adversity trends that we, we spoke about uh, earlier. Okay. So the power of social imagination, the power of consciousness is pivotal here. If we can imagine a world in collapse, we can choose a world in transition. If we can imagine an authoritarian world, we can choose a transitional world. And so once again, it comes back to consciousness. And I'm so delighted I'm sitting here presenting this with a group of uh, Dharma practitioners because this 
is where it lands, the power of our collective consciousness and collective social imagination. So let's turn to the foundations for a great transition. Um, there's a half a dozen that are described in this book. Um, and let me just, uh, because this is an audio version as well, let me just uh, speak these. Uh, number one, a new paradigm uh, <clears throat> is a powerful uh, vehicle for transformation. We're gonna look at that in just a moment. And it's a paradigm of aliveness, aliveness of ourselves in a living uh, earth in, in the context of a living universe. Number two, maturity. We spoke about that at the very outset, moving from our adolescence and into our early adulthood as a human family. Third, a time of reconciliation. Colleen was mentioning the, uh, the divisions that are out there in the world, racial, ethnic, gender, wealth, and on and on. We are profoundly divided. So number three, a time of great reconciliation. Number four, communication. That's what we're doing now and using our tools of mass communication in ways that further our understanding of what is happening in the world instead of distracting us uh, from, from, from what is happening. Uh, number five, community. We've been pulling apart for centuries and living in relative isolation in these single family uh, dwellings and so on. We are being pushed and pulled into a time of new community. And lastly, number six, simplicity. Uh, we need to begin to choose voluntarily, voluntarily choosing a new way of living uh, on the earth. Uh, and that's the factor of simplicity. So aliveness, maturity, reconciliation, communication, community, and simplicity. Now, importantly, there's no technological requirement for these to emerge. The requirement is for us to reach into our heart and soul and engage with, with the rest of the world and to bring those capacities uh, to the fore. So, do you have any? You wanna, Are you going to go through an individual? Uh, or no? The aliveness only. Okay. Are there any that you want to read? Um, well, I would just say in the work I'm doing in the documentary and just in our in meeting people, one of the kind of exciting trends that I think a lot of you are probably aware of is how young people are stepping up and they're organizing and they're stepping up into leadership roles and it's happening across the board, especially, you know, all over the world, but in um, this country, especially. And in fact, the, the documentary is going to highlight a story about some young activists who got involved and really stepped up and organized around the Almeida fire that happened in the um, Rogue Valley up in um, Ashland. And it, it's just, um, it's very inspiring. So there's a whole energetic happening, happening with younger people and it crosses a lot of the divisions. They're coming together. Okay, I wanna look at one of these um, elements of great transition uh, that to me is is the most powerful of the bunch is to change the paradigm uh, from how we regard uh, the universe. And in the past, we've regarded the universe the last few hundred years in particular as comprised mostly dead matter and empty space. But now we're going back to, for example, the wisdom of Plato who said, the universe is a single living creature that contains all living creatures 
within it, life within life. That is a profound uh, transition. And here is a video that Colleen put together how long ago? Was this 2009? 10 years ago. 10, 10 11 years ago. So, um, and these are family uh, members that have grown up in the, in the interim. So I just want to share this with you. This very is, short clip on the living yeah. universe. So it's a very short clip on the living universe to share. Have you ever had the experience of seeing a delicate aliveness in the world? Have you ever looked at a flower or the space around you and seen a subtle glow, a luminosity, and felt a deep kinship with all of existence? Have you ever experienced a feeling of oneness with the world around you, a feeling of communion with the whole universe? Who are we? Are we biological beings no bigger than our physical bodies? Or are we much bigger beings whose consciousness connects with the aliveness of a living universe? Are we no more than accidents of physics and chemistry? Or is our presence here part of the flowering of a living universe? Are we learning? both individually and collectively, how to live in a living universe. I love that. <clears throat> it's actually much longer, uh, but that's uh, a taste of uh, a living universe as a new paradigm. Um, you know, how do we go to the next? I think we can do it. There's another one that's up. There we go. Yeah. Here's the, the basic, if you just get rid of all of the extraneous uh, information, so what? What difference does it make if it's dead or alive? If it's dead, the idea that comes to most people's mind naturally is, well, if it's dead, exploit it. If it's just dead matter and empty space out there, well, then let's exploit that which is dead for us because we're alive. On the other hand, if we say, you know, it's a living system, it's a living earth, it's a living universe, uh, then the impulse is not to exploit it, but rather to care for it. And right now we're, we're immersed in a paradigm, a mindset, a collective mindset of exploitation. Um, you just get what you can right now uh, and and we all know the exploitive uh, nature of uh, the world right now. And what we need to cultivate to move into our early adulthood and our, our maturity is a more caring mindset, a compassionate uh, consciousness. And that can emerge much more readily when the foundation of a living universe is, is giving birth to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's required now to move into our um, early maturity as a species civilization is a transformation of three key relationships. First of all, with ourselves. Second of all, with uh, other beings and all life on the earth. And thirdly, with the universe as a living system. And with those three transformations, uh, we have a new world, a new relationship with self, with others, and with the living universe.
So, growing the seeds of transition. Um, here are half a dozen, Colleen mentioned number five, uh, youth movements uh, that are very inspiring. Uh, Colleen, Colleen also mentioned racial justice and social justice, gender equality, and uh, then obviously the economics of fairness are just critical, the regeneration of the Earth's biosystems, and lastly, uh, using our communication tools to create a voice for the Earth uh, so we can, we can speak to ourselves about the future we are creating. So once again, if you want to get a free PDF of this book, uh, just simply go to the, to the uh, website choosingearth.org and you'll find a, uh, a link there. You can just download it for free just in a, in a few seconds. Uh, that's our gift uh, to you. So that is, let's close that. So there's the uh, just brief uh, presentation, and we do have time for questions and hopefully some answers. And a, a couple of comments yeah. just to wrap it all together. Oh, please do. Yeah. So just a couple comments just to kind of pull all this together. And, you know, one thing that, um, you know, we did some pilot workshops on this. And a way to see this work, because it's pretty intense. The book actually goes through first what's happening right now, the trends. Then it goes into a scenario looking in the next 50 years. And then it looks at the opportunities. And it's quite a journey to go through all that. And we see it as a kind of initiation. It's almost like inoculating people with uh, a pretty intense dose of you know this planet that we're on and what's happening for humanity. But it's meant to um, initiate you in a way to find the kindred spirits and to join together. And it's a lot, you know, I tell Dwayne and, and actually one of our colleagues, Sandy Wiggins, who's also a longtime Dharma practitioner, that what's happening with people recognizing the seriousness of our situation on the planet is a lot like waking up. Um, as you wake up on the path, you are in the know, so to speak. And as you get more into the know, if you want to call it that, you have more responsibility. You know, there's, there's a way in which you enter life fully and you, through your own awareness, become a responsible. And it's a lot like this, getting inoculated into the world global situation. And it's not to put the weight of the world on you. It's, a, it's to awaken in all of us a conversation and a connection so we can raise the level of awareness of the whole global situation and the level of our consciousness around it. So it's a, it's a big leap we need to make. And so it's, it does take actual courage to dive in. Um, but what you find is we're not in it alone. There's so much good happening on the planet and there's so many of us that can come together and, you know, it's what's possible. Really, we don't know. It's so big and open. And we just ask you to step in a little bit more, lean in a little more and see where that takes you, um, especially as practitioners. Indeed. Thanks. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, James, yeah, um, we have time now for some uh, questions. Yeah. 
Uh, just just one comment before uh, we uh, we hear the questions, and it really is the the same path that that the Buddha talked about with the Dharma that it is suffering that wakes us up. Mm -hmm. uh, it starts with the first noble truth. There's suffering. And then he said, okay, now understand the cause, see that there's a possibility of, of liberation and freedom. And then here's the path to take, but it starts with suffering. We have to come to terms with the truth with suffering and somehow learn not to be overwhelmed by it, but to, open to it with fresh eyes and um and then there's the possibility of awakening so we are as uh andrew harvey says uh he talks about us being in the, the dark night of the species just like the dark night of the soul so yep. here we are the great the great possibility of of awakening through this very difficult time yep. and here we are we're the we're the ones um nobody else around our shoulders over our shoulders. So we can, if you'd like, you can uh, raise your hand digitally. I see uh, uh, Steve Steinberg, um, you got your hand raised and you can just unmute yourself and, and chime in. Thank you, James. Um, Dwayne and Colleen, thank you very much for a very inspiring uh, talk and um, or presenting uh, the information. I'm sure it's uh, a bit abbreviated <clears throat> from what you've got in the book. The book looks quite thick. Um, and I'm uh, really interested to see the, uh, the film that, uh, that you're gonna be putting out, uh, Colleen. My question is, uh, I can put this into the, the the proper words here. Um, somebody recently expressed something to me about the nature of consciousness as it changes and how in some ways it tends to favor those that are in more favorable situations. In other words, those that have clothes and have food and have their needs met and then can take on the other aspects of looking into their own consciousness and, and changing that. Um, as the planet, you know, and, and I, and I love the, the diagrams that you showed and all three of them are showing that we're going down uh, first. Um, you know, we've got a lot of suffering going on, a lot of um, hunger, um, people that, that, are really living without. And that, in my understanding, tends to drive people into a fear state. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about these three different options that you presented. Uh, one being the authoritarian state. Um, clearly, it's very clear to see politically what's happening in China and several other places around the world. Um, I'm wondering about the, the tools and the availability of this kind of consciousness to go from uh, individuals or small groups or places like California, smaller communities, 
into the larger sphere, you see this as more like uh, the idea of the hundredth monkey, that when enough people wake up, it's just going to take off like a wildfire. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering how, how this shift in consciousness is going to work against what I see and what you have very clearly expressed as the authoritarian. Uh, the the fear, the poverty, the the forces that are pushing against it. So we've got those that are trying to change, and we've got a tremendous amount of people that are unable to change or don't see themselves as able to change. So so how is that going to happen? Maybe you can speak more more about that. What are how is that relationship going to work? Um, <clears throat> that's a complex question. Um, it's like asking, uh, I have three sons, like asking, okay, you're adolescence now, now just how is this going to work? You're going to be an adult? Tell that? No. Golly, this is a very complex evolutionary dynamic, really. And I'd go back to the diagrams that say, uh, we're in a time of great unraveling right now. And it, with enough unraveling, there's nothing to hold. And we fall. And it doesn't mean just the favored fall or the ill-favored or what we all do. The entire earth falls. And with that, the entire earth and all beings on the earth, not just the people, all life on the earth, then goes into a time of a great hardship, a great sorrow, uh, great damage. Um, it's estimated, for example, by the end of the century, we will um, eradicate, kill off, uh, roughly a million species of plants and animals, a million. We're profoundly impoverishing the earth. Um, now, if we all go through this together, uh, if we all fall together, if we all come to that place of sorrow and, and suffering together, at some point, uh, we leave the past behind. We say, we're all in this soup together. What are we going to do? Because we would be killing probably billions of people. The carrying capacity of the earth is roughly two to three billion people. Um, it is now carrying nearly eight billion people, which means we're roughly five billion people right now over carrying capacity. So the, the magnitude of suffering and sorrow is extraordinary. And that I think will be an evolutionary fire that's just gonna burn through uh, all of the resistances that we have and openness consciously to the possibility of coming together as opposed to pulling apart. Now, um, that's fierce. That's a fierce evolutionary transition. Uh, and I think that is going to be the kind of transition we're going to see. It is going to fall. It is going to go into a time of great sorrow. And that will be a place of then common meeting. Um, and I don't have an easy answer for how it all just magically comes together and into an evolutionary, new evolutionary dynamic. I think that's for us now to bring our creative capacities to bear on this, on this turn of the, of the wheel. And as it moves into unprecedented uh, realms uh, at an unprecedented speed. So I don't have an easy answer uh, for you, Steve. Um, 
I can honor the question and see the dynamics, but um, uh, there's uh, a lot of mystery here in how this is going to play out. So, so thank you for that. So if I understand what you're saying metaphorically is like, you know, we're going to have a giant forest fire where it's going to basically wipe out most of the forest and then, you know, that nu nutritive soil is then going to allow new growth. It, it, you're, you're nodding your head. So I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of gathering that because there's, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, you know, be, being positive and, and looking for change and things that are going to help um, is a whole lot better than, than being negative. That's, that's for darn sure. Um, but there's also, you know, the practicality of looking for the obstacles ahead and seeing if we can mitigate some of those obstacles so that we can actually reach our objective. But yes. what you're saying is that we're going to have to go through this giant forest fire um, and then we're going to have like little communities of people that are going to survive and, and, and certain species. And then we're going to have to find a new way through this. And that, that to me, I guess, makes sense. To some degree, uh, yes, that's my view. But it's, um, we have these three pathways. They're all co-mingling. They're all intertwined. Uh, chaos and collapse, authoritarianism. Those are strong threads moving through the world right now. And the time of, of a threat of transition is, um, requires our conscious engagement, our conscious contributions to a world uh, in, in transformation. So um, we're learning our way into this right now. Uh, the collective consciousness and cultural healing required to move into a transitional pathway. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's speaking to the challenge that we face and not saying that we have the answers to how that's going to, how we will make that, that transition. And we could make it right now, right now. For example, let me just say this. 60% of the people on this planet have a cell phone, 60%. By the end of this decade, it'll be 75%. And if the challenge is, well, we better talk to ourselves as a human community about how we're gonna move through this time of transition, we already have the tools to do it. 60% right now, 75% by the end of this, of this decade. So if, uh, if our future depends upon our capacity to communicate, we have the tools. We don't need new technologies. They're already here. The, the, the question is, do we have the heart, the wisdom, the soul, the maturity to use the tools that we already have uh, for that end purpose? And if we did, we could, make, we could be transitioning right now. Mm. So there's a lot of um, opportunity here for, for creative engagement, for positive engagement with a transforming world. Mm. Now, Colleen, <laughs> I know she has. <laughs> well, just in terms of the fire and, and uh, Steve, what you were saying, I guess I would say it's, I think it's a lot more uncertain. We are going to go through some kind of fire, but what that is like small groups, I don't think we can go there yet. It's, I think part of what this is, is actually being with the uncertainty, the, part of our learning in this, just like when we go into a deep suffering, whether it's our own physical health or someone we love, you know, we were at hosting a dinner with different spiritual teachers and one of them said, you know, 
I don't know about you all, but some of the deepest, most depth that I've come to has come from suffering. We were talking about the world situation. And so just looking at that and saying, you know, from the ego's perspective, yeah, it's scary, you know, and it's like, we don't want to go through those things. But from the larger perspective, this is a, a learning place, an awakening place, you know, we don't get to choose how it unfolds. And so I, th I think I would just offer to know, yes, we're going into a challenge, it's a dark night of the soul, but to be open to what that uncertainty is. And then I think it reflects back more on how do you want to show up now that you know this? It's like the one year to live. You know, the purpose of going through that process, that book, is to awaken in us, this is short, this life. You know, we don't, we don't live with that usually every day, unless we are, you know, deeply in a process. So I kind of feel like this is our collective version of that, in a way. Mm. And it's really how, you know, it's, and, it, and we're all learning. We are learning. We have been learning the entire time. We go through many experiences around it and, and people close to us as well. So yeah. I think it calls for everyone. It, def, it, it is absolutely a time for us all. It, everyone's included. Yeah. Everyone's needed. All hearts and souls. It's going to take everybody. It's, it's bigger than anyone. You know, it's so big we can't even wrap our heads around it. But it can't be wrong because it's what's happening, right? It's what's here now. So that's what we have to keep coming back to. And how am I right now? And what can I do now? And so. Well, I'd like to just say thank you very much um, for bringing both, both parts of that wisdom together. The, the clear delineation of where we're at, where we're heading, mm -hmm. and the willingness to speak about uncertainty and unknowing. Mm -hmm. Because so often when people come with, conclusions and ideas um, of things that that are really quite far in the future it just really brings um, doubt uh, to this snapshot that 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 you've created so I think what you've done is um, is really beautiful and I just really appreciate it thank you very much thank you Steve. thank you I just want to say um, uh, two quick comments first of all I completely agree. We don't know. And as far as your, your question, Steve, about how is this consciousness going to be spreading? And just, just uh, looking at last year when there were, what, 4 million people that were, that were protesting uh, because Greta Thunberg uh, stopped going to school. You know, you don't know that the largest march, the largest demonstration in the history of, of humanity and that's just the beginning. It doesn't stop. It's not like, okay, we did that. This is still more and more in our consciousness than ever in the, the, on people's minds for this election coming up. And so we just don't know. And, and the other thing is that, um, as, as I often say, and as, as Dwayne and Colleen point out, we are all going to wake up sooner or later. We are. The whole, everyone's going to wake up sooner or later. So why not do whatever we can to make it on the sooner side and let go of knowing what, how it's going to turn out. But you do what you can to make it on the sooner side because the sooner we wake up, the less, the less suffering. So, um, and letting go of knowing, you know, the, the great don't know, as Sun used to say, you know, don't, don't know. Where is it heading? Don't know. And you do what you can 
because it's just the right thing to do and feels good. So thank you for your question. It's just about time. Let's see, it's Cecile, you, you had your hand up for a while and maybe we can have uh, fit you in if, if you want. You're really in the dark, but uh, uh, we'll see if there's some light that can come out from that. Cecile? Do you want to, did you want to Okay, ask? here, here we are. I want to thank you for the presentation. I just want to po point out what I've badly typed in the chat room. And that is that uh, these ideas are not new at all. And they're emblemized by Native American history uh, because indigenous people have already embodied all three of these movements and Native people recognize a great a dawning awareness. So we don't really need to go to Plato. We have it right here at home with our own Native people. Uh, and uh, we can look at their history uh, when, the, when the white man arrived and we can see there was a great catastrophe and a great sorrow. Uh, women and children were massacred in their camps uh, and, uh, and, and, their, and their scalps were sold for bounty by the white man. Uh, so, so they have been through this movement and now there's this great awakening on the part of Native Americans where uh, we have the Idle No More movement and we have a tremendous struggle uh, on the part of Native Americans to protect the earth mm. and, to, and to emphasize. And that is the meaning of the great spirit, by the way. The great spirit is the life embodied in all forms of life, including velvet worms, including horseshoe crabs. All of these creatures are as entitled to life as the human species. That's the whole idea. Of, of the great spirit. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's very precious and we Thank have you. this resource right here at home. Yep. Thank you, Cecile. Um, <clears throat> let me just mention that uh, there's real emphasis in this book about the uh, indigenous wisdom as a source of wisdom for what we're facing now. And uh, so nature wisdom, indigenous wisdom, uh, and so on, that is an integral part of the um, understanding that's developed in this book. So uh, it's, I think you'll find it very congruent. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So we, it's, it's, it's time to go and I just wanna remind people that we'll be back next week. This is a lot to take in, I, I know, even though there's a positive larger vision you know, just reading this for me as I went through with reading The Uninhabitable Earth or with Bill McKibben's book, Earth, you, you just have to kind of digest it a little at a time, not get overwhelmed by it, let go of thinking you know how it's all going to turn out. And um, But next week, we're going to come back and, and look at how we can, how we can process and hold all of this and be uh, ambassadors for that, that consciousness. So um, I want to thank you so much, uh, Dwayne and Colleen. Colleen, I'm so glad you, you got into the picture. I, I was going to introduce you, but I didn't want to, when I didn't see you there, uh, I, I just want to presume. And Colleen has sat on retreats with, with, with us at Spirit Rock and uh, somebody who I have tremendous respect for. Ah, maybe just take in a deep breath from Mother Earth. 
sustaining us and breathe out love. And get in touch with how much we care. And let the care manifest as wise action, wise compassionate action. And may our coming here together ripple out and be for the benefit of all and this, this earth. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.